0: Welcome to The Quartering Podcast for Monday, the 19th of December. First up, Elon Musk is not going anywhere. He steps down as Twitter CEO, but Jeremy has bad news for leftists. Elon stepping down the
1: world is, is over? Well, I don't think so. It's interesting the way the left is reacting to this. It's as if he doesn't still own Twitter. It's like they think he's going to bring back Yol Roth or something to run Twitter. I mean, it is a hilarious, yes, I went as hard as I humanly could last night to get people out there and try to get him to stay as a head of Twitter, but I have thought it over. And as I mentioned yesterday, Elon was always going to step down as the head of Twitter. He was never going to stay running it forever. The man wants to get to Mars, which means his time needs to be spent at Starlink and SpaceX neuralink tesla much more than it needs to be at twitter and he's not going anywhere that's the thing like the hilarious part about all this is i wanted him to stay as the ceo a little bit longer for twitter and that's why it was important because it's been so fun watching him essentially bust digital balls but he is not going anywhere his methodology isn't going anywhere his vision isn't going anywhere so last night 17 million people voted elon musk put this twitter poll out should i step down as head of twitter i will abide by the results of this poll
2: now it doesn't say when and i also firmly believe that elon musk already
1: had decided to step down he had already decided when he bought twitter that he wasn't going to be running it forever now i do think it's too early and i'll talk about that i, I wanted him to stick around for maybe another month but he didn't say when he just said should i he didn't say should i immediately step down and i keep forgetting that he, <laughs> Elon is more complicated than, than like what you think. By the way, did you see he replied to me yesterday? I, I think I saved Linktree, by the way. Did you see that? I might do a whole video on that because <sighs> that was pretty cool. But the poll comes out and the left was like, my Twitter is unusable right now. The number of lefties like coming into my mentions and dunking on me over it is like, <laughs> is bad but like like a normal person i'll just chill on twitter for a little bit you know what i mean like they'll run out of steam it's like a baby in a in a checkout aisle having a, a fit you know they'll relax but you see this article on fox elama should remain twitter ceo to keep up the fight for free speech i think he can do that because you get a little bit of pull when you own the company It's not like Elon was going to be the de facto CEO. He's not going
2: anywhere either, by the way, just so people know that. The bad news for Musk fans is 57% of the 17 million
1: people who participated said he should indeed quit his post with the quixotic entrepreneur. Will the quixotic entrepreneur follow through and abandon his $44 billion undertaking? Will he allow the leftist thought police to resume control of what Americans can see and read? Again, no, he's not going to... Why would anybody think that he would do that?
2: The guy didn't spend $44 billion to let Twitter just sit there. For several years, conservatives
1: have rallied against the impenetrable liberal coalition of academia, Hollywood, and media and social media, and more, more recently, corporate America, that has joined in effectively suppressing opposing opinion. For the last few years, the threat to freedom of speech has become a threat to our democracy itself as the left squashed damaging reporting about, of course, the computer, or the president's son's computer. Quote, Musk's ownership of Twitter is a game changer. It has opened a portal between the American people and the truth that did not exist before. The left didn't want to just protect Joe Biden. They wanted to elect Joe Biden. And according to this article, colluded to do so. Worse, they were successful. Remember that New York Times article about the cabal of whatever-whatevers?
2: All of these articles right it, it, it elon is not this is like what's
1: hilarious i wanted him to commit to staying longer oh i definitely did okay but he's not going anywhere this says afternoon summary elon must fate as twitter ceo is uncertain after he released a poll asking twitter users whether he should step down as a head of twitter over 50% percent of 17.5 million users who voted said he should. Though Musk said he would uh, uh, abide by the results of the poll, he has not made any announcements regarding to stepping down. He even talked to Lex Friedman about taking over. A union representing Twitter staff in the UK cautioned that if Musk steps down as CEO, he would still be the owner of the company. Uh, duh! This is what's hilarious. Yeah, he still owns the company.
2: You think a lot gets done at Tesla without Elon signing off on it? Probably not. This this is like, you know, one of the most hilarious fake wins.
1: Of course he's staying. Now look, I got a little hyperbolic. I got a little emotional. I've slept on it. All right. And it doesn't matter if Elon Musk steps down. Now, a lot of people referred to, here's Mr. Beast that didn't, you know, help anything with 188,000 likes. Saying like, if you're going to keep doing stuff like this, yes, we
2: had actually, he had actually rescinded that policy. In fact, I'll show you, I'm not going to make it a whole video. I'm going to show right now. So he, he, I think he knew here. He says, what
1: do you think should be the policy? Aaron Levy asked, this is just sad. I replied, I said, Hey Elon Musk, I get accounts whose sole purpose is to promote other accounts being free, but telling people they can't link out to their Instagram is way too far. The same goes for Linktree. I use mine to link to my website, my coffee business, et cetera, not to compete with Twitter. Uh, and then Elon replied to me and said, Okay, that seems reasonable. And immediately says policy will be adjusted to suspending accounts only when the account's primary purpose
2: is of promotion of competitors, which essentially falls under the no spam rule. Look at that. He listens. Name a CEO of a company that interacts like this, owner of a company that interacts like this,
1: a company the size of Twitter, I suppose. I'm the owner of. The quartering and I probably interact too much. I'm never going to not interact. But I-, I think ultimately, I don't know. I, ha- I haven't watched anybody's take on it yet. This morning I had, you know, obviously, well I was up late last night. Everything going on with Crowder. I got Crowder all fixed. He's good to go. Uh, I feel good about that. He's in a good spot. Uh, I slept. I slept good last night. Got a full eight hours or something like that. Took a nice long shower today. Took care of the unkempt mop on my face. Feeling good. It is one degree outside, by the way. Today got to rent a JLG to uh, swap out one of my Starling satellites. That's gonna be cold. But the meltdown and the on Twitter, like the, the you know, and also I wonder how many bots.
2: We're in that, you know, you don't, I think, you know, Snoop Dogg, should I run Twitter? No. Snoop Dogg is
1: not very smart. Um, although it was kind of a masterstroke teaming up with Martha Stewart, but I mean, I think like, you know, he's probably conferring with his Saudi stakeholders in Qatar yesterday and was given the lowdown. Wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I mean, people act like the Saudis didn't have a bunch of money in Twitter before. Just hilarious. I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately, people are saying the Saudis, there's going to be Saudi people in Qatar. I think that, you know, is this, first of all, any head of company who feels the need to have a poll to determine how they run their company shouldn't be in charge of a company. Really? I absolutely think that's a great way to do it. Oh, yeah. Companies definitely shouldn't ask their customers if they're happy or not, or the things that they like. That's that 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 yeah that
2: seems like a uh, uh, great business classic rock movies and tv fan I think that he absolutely you know nothing's going to change there'll be a new
1: ceo of twitter i suspect he will be someone that the left hates their celebration would be uh,
2: <laughs> short-lived to say the least you see Who else is thrilled that Elon Musk would be stepping down? I mean, okay. So the Tesla, so the Tesla investors got their, got their little, I wonder,
1: let's see. And it didn't even go up. So all you people that use bots to try and pump your Tesla stock today, it didn't work. Why? It's because I told you that the the Tesla stock was not affected because of Elon Musk being the CEO of Twitter. I told you that, didn't I? Look at my tired, delirious video from last night. I don't even remember half the stuff I said, but I know I said that. That's why there's a bunch of downvotes on it. I told you that Elon being the CEO of Twitter had absolutely nothing to do with the Tesla stock. But but those one stock sallies, not all of you, but you know who I'm talking about. The chicken littles who are in Elon's mentions every day, begging him to, to do something to save their stock. One stock sallies. Maybe they got two. Maybe they've got AMC or, or GameStop too. Again, no disrespect. I just disrespect the chicken littling. Twitter's going to be fine. It's still going to be It may even be better because I think Elon has so much going on and so much things to do that a lot of this knee jerking stuff isn't what Twitter needs. It needs a path to bring in his vision, somebody who can focus on it 24 hours a day, even though he has been, he couldn't contain that. He couldn't do that long term. So he still owns it. Sorry leftists, you don't win.
0: And next up, Elon Musk just dropped the biggest Twitter files yet. The FBI was paying Twitter and so much more.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I was just gonna have a normal, kind of a relaxed Monday. I had already had plenty of stories packed up from over the weekend. I had lots to say then elon's like bah, 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 bah. i'm gonna launch a poll about stepping down a ceo and bah, 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 bah. oh we're gonna drop some new twitter files in the middle of the day on monday now normally i live stream these live stream these but i found that when i live stream the middle of the day it creates immense stress for me so i feel like at night's a better time for that so i want to get you updated on all the latest twitter files these dropped just a little while ago and it is mm, so, so uh, spicy. Now, Twitter files, part. Zeben, The FBI and the president's son, computer. You might wonder why I always say it that way. It's because I think YouTube doesn't like that. So, you know, the actual word or the actual owner name. How the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about his uh, the president's son's foreign business dealings, both after... And before, the New York Post revealed the contents of his computer on October 14th, meaning meaning they, they were essentially running
2: running defense for free before the computer. Michael Schellenberger
1: in Twitter Files six we saw that the FBI relentlessly uh, seek the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content its users and its data. We also saw a supplementary update yesterday, by the way, by Taibbi, uh, that showed us that while the FBI outwardly says that they're mostly concerned with foreign kind of interference and stuff like that, there were no records to date, at least based on their reporting, of the FBI emailing Twitter to demand they take down some sort of foreign propaganda. Instead, there was tons of evidence of them emailing Twitter to worry about two follower Andy's making jokes about the election. In Twitter file seven, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by representatives of the intelligence community aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about the computer before and after
2: it was published. Why is the FBI running like ops for them? You know, it seems pretty odd to me. seems really odd to me. The story begins December, 2019, when a Delaware computer store owner named
1: John Paul, JP, uh, contacts the bureau about a laptop that the kid had left with him. On December 9th, the FBI issues a subpoena for and takes the laptop. Good thing he told him, huh? On August, By August 20th, Mac Isaac still had not heard back from them, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time. In early October, Giuliani gives it to the New York Post. Shortly before 7 p.m. Eastern on October 13th, the president's son's lawyer, Uh, It emails JP, Isaac Mack. Um, They both say had just learned from the New York Post story about the laptop and that it would be published the next day. Here's a lawyer. Thank you for speaking with me tonight. As I indicated, I'm the lawyer for the president's son, and I appreciate your reviewing your records on this matter. Thank you. At 9.22 p.m., FBI special agent. Here we go, Elvis again. Elvis Chance sends... 10 documents to twitter's then head of safety yul roth through teleporter a one-way communications channel from the fbi to twitter hi twitter folks heads up i'll be sending a teleporter link for you to download 10 documents it's not spam please confirm receipt when you get it this is at 6 22 pm after the business day and yul roth replies one minute later two minutes later received and downloaded thanks The next day, October 14th, the New York Post runs its explosive story, revealing that the business dealings president's son, uh, every single fact in it was accurate. And yet within, within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censor the New York Post article, preventing it from spreading and more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? So what we have here is the FBI running
2: PR for Joe Biden. They went ahead, they went ahead of the story and tried to
1: squash it. This was never about misinformation, never, it was never about that. On December 2nd, Taibbi described this debate inside Twitter over its decision to censor the wholly accurate article. Since then, we have discovered new information that points to an organized effort by Intel community to influence Twitter and other platforms first it's important to understand that the president's son earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses including ones linked to china's government for which he offered no real work here's an overview by investigative journalist peter schweizer it's a 10 minute video i'm not going to steal the thunder i suggest you watch it it already has 141,000 views and yet during all of 2020 the fbi and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly Primed Yul Roth to dismiss the reports of the laptop as a "quote Russian hack and leak operation." So I want to point out an important di- uh, point and fact here. Important fact here. Okay,
2: the the FBI knew and still knows they knew that it was real. They knew that it was real, and they lied. Right? That's the truth. They knew that it was real. And they lied to the American people. They did the same to Facebook, according to CEO Mark Zuckerberg. The
1: FBI basically came to us and was like, yeah, you shouldn't, you should be on high alert. We thought there was a lot of propaganda in 2016. There's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. Again, the FBI knowingly lied to Twitter and FBI and to Twitter and Facebook. Were the F.B.I. warnings of a Russian hack leak operation relating to the laptop of any new intel? No, they weren't. Quote, there are investigations, we did not see any similar competing intrusions to what happened in 2016, admitted FBI Al- agent Elvis Chan in November. Indeed, Twitter executives repeatedly reported very little Russian activity. Example, on the September 24th, 2020, Twitter told FBI it had removed 345 largely inactive accounts linked to previous coordinated coordinated russian hacking attempts and they had little reach with low follower accounts again more two follower andies in fact twitter debunked false claims by journalists of foreign influence on its platform quote we have not seen any evidence to support the claim by oh is it ben collins oh interesting of news foreign controlled bots Our review thus far shows a small-scale domestic troll effort. 17. After the FBI asked about a Washington Post story on alleged foreign influence in pro-Trump tweet, Twitter's Roth says, the article makes a lot of insinuations, but we saw no evidence that there was any kind, and that was the case here. In fact, a lot of evidence pointing in the other direction. It's not the first time that twitter's roth had pushed back against the fbi in january 2020 roth resisted fbi efforts to get twitter to share data outside its normal search warrant process my colleagues had a query for you it's below yoel roth writes as discussed here my suggested response of course is feel free to tweak and edit but i try to hit the major points at this point we don't think a call directly with your colleagues at the fort is a best path forward. As a rule, we're not able to directly discuss data licensing relationships with third parties, so we even tried to say no. Pressure had been growing. We've seen a sustained, if uncoordinated, effort by the intelligence community to push us to share more information and change our API policies. That's how they get their data. They are probing and pushing everywhere they can, including by whispering to congressional staff. Time and again, the FBI asks Twitter for evidence of foreign influence and Twitter responds that they aren't finding anything worth reporting. Despite Twitter's pushback, the FBI repeatedly requests information from Twitter that Twitter has already made clear it will not share outside of normal legal channels. Then in July 2020, the FBI's Elvis Chan arranges for a temporary top-secret security clearance for Twitter executives. So the fbi can share information about threats and issues with the upcoming elections on august 11, 2020 the fbi's alvis uh, chan shares information with twitter's roth relating to the russian uh, hacking organization apt28 through the fbi's secure one-way communication channel teleporter recently yul roth told a reporter that he had been primed to think about the russian hacking group atp28 before the news of hunter biden laptop came out when it did, Roth said it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leap campaign alarm bells, meaning this was all planned. This was all an op to discredit the laptop because they knew what was on it. In August 2020, FBI's Chan speaks, Cut. if you're this far, leave a like on this video, share it, share it everywhere. This is absolute pandemonium. This is, this is nuts, okay. In August 2020, FBI's Elvis Chan, asked does anyone have top secret clearance when he mentions Jim Baker Chan responds I don't know how I forgot him an odd claim given that Chan's job is to monitor Twitter not to mention that that they had worked directly together at the FBI who's Jim Baker he's a formal general general counsel for the FBI and one of the most powerful men in the United States Intel community Baker had moved in and out of government for 30 years serving stints at CNN Bridgewater a 140 billion dollar asset management firm and Brookings as general counsel for the FBI, Baker played a central role in making the case internally for an investigation of Donald Trump. What a dink. You never really retire from these roles, do you? Baker wasn't only the senior, the only senior FBI exec involved in the Trump investigation to go to Twitter. Don Burton, the former Department Chief of Staff to the FBI James Comey, who initiated the investigation of Trump, joined Twitter in 2019 as a director of strategy. As of 2020, there were so many former FBI. Boo alumni uh, working at Twitter that they had created their own private Slack channel and a crib sheet to onboard new FBI arrivals. Efforts continued to influence Twitter's Yule Roth. In September 2020, Roth participated in the Aspen Institute tabletop exercise on potential hack and dump operation relating to the president's son. The goal was to shape how the media would cover it and how social media carried it. The organizer was Vivian Schiller, the former CEO of NPR and former head of news at Twitter, former general manager of New York times, former chief digital officer of NBC news. This is insane. Attendees included Meta's and Facebook's head of security policy and the top national security reporters for New York times and the Washington post. Wow. That is, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. I'm, I'm going to have to break this all down. Anyone who reads the Twitter files, regardless of their political orientation, should share those concerns. Uh, yeah.
2: I would say. I don't know why the reply stopped there. I'm glad I looked. Here we go. Hey, I want to. I need to bring this back up. I should have probably live streamed this, but whatever.
1: Um, by mid 2020, Chan and Roth had set up an encrypted messaging network. So employees from the FBI and Twitter could communicate. They also agreed to create a quote, virtual war room, leave a like on this video and share it. Holy, holy crap for all of the internet industry plus FBI and ODNI. Then on September 15th, the FBI's Laura, uh, Demlow who heads up foreign influence task force. They always say it's foreign, but they're really worried about Americans. And Elvis Chen requests to give classified briefing for Jim Baker without any other Twitter staff, such as Yoel Roth, present. Ooh, what a coincidence. On October 14th, shortly after the New York Post publishes its, its laptop story, Roth says, quote, It isn't clearly violative of our hacked materials policy, nor is it in clearly violation of anything else, but adds, this feels a lot like a somewhat subtle leak operation. In response to Roth, Jim Baker repeatedly insists that the materials were either faked, hacked, or both, but he knew they weren't. And a violation of Twitter's policy. Baker does so over email and a Google Doc in October. This is nuts. This jail for all of these people. And yet it's un- inconceivable. Baker believed that the emails were either faked or hacked. The New York Post had included a picture of the receipt signed by the president's son. And the FBI subpoena showed that the agency had taken possession of the computer in December. They knew. As for the FBI, it would have likely taken a few hours for them to confirm that the laptop had actually belonged to him. Indeed, it only took a few days for a journalist to prove it. By 10 a.m., Twitter execs had bought into the wild hack and dump story. The suggestion from experts, which rings true, is that there was a hack that happened separately and they loaded the hack materials onto the laptop that magically appeared in Delaware. Are you kidding me? At 3 38 p.m., the same day, October 14th, Baker arranges a phone conversation with Matthew Perry in the office of the general counsel of the FBI. The influence observe operation persuaded Twitter executives that the laptop did not come from Whistleblower. One linked article on The Hill based a WAPO article from October 15th, which falsely suggested that Giuliani's leak of the laptop had something to do with Russia. This There is evidence that the FBI agents have warned elected officials of foreign influence with primary goal of leaking the information to the news media. This was a political dirty trick used to create the perception of impropriety. In 2020, the FBI gave a, re, a briefing to Senator Grassley and Johnson claiming evidence of Russian interference into their investigation of the president's son. The briefing angered the senators who say it was done to discredit their investigation. The quote, the unnecessary FBI briefing provided the Democrats and liberal media, the vehicle to spread their false narrative that our work advanced Russian disinformation, notably the FBI general counsel, Jim Baker was investigated twice in 2017 and 19 for leaking information to the media. Quote, you're saying he's under criminal investigation? That's why you're not letting him answer? Meadows asked, yes. In the end, the FBI's influence campaign aimed at executives and news media, Twitter, and other social media companies worked. They censored and discredited the laptop story. By December 2020, Jim Baker and his colleagues even sent a note of thanks to the FBI for its work.
2: This is just just enraging. The FBI's influence campaign may
1: have even helped. uh, May have been helped by the fact that it was paying Twitter millions of dollars for staff time. I'm happy to report that I've collected 3.4 million dollars since October 2019! Exclamation point. Reports an associate of Jim Baker. The FBI was paying Twitter, and the pressure from the FBI on social media platforms continues. In August 2022, Twitter execs prepared for a meeting with the FBI, whose goal was to, quote, convince and produce more FBI EDRs. EDRs are emergency disclosure requests, a warrantless search. In response to the Twitter files of high-level FBI agents on Twitter, Jim Jordan said, I have concerns about whether the government was running a misinformation operation on We The People. They were. This is nuts. I hope you made it to the end. If you made it to the end of this, I don't know if I I let in with a sponsor thing. I'm gonna delete it. This video has to go uninterrupted. This is nuts. This this, this is actually insane. Uh, make sure you leave a like on this. You, you click the share button down below, get this out there. We're going there's gonna be a lot more to discuss on this and we'll talk to you again
0: real soon. And next up today, he showed up at kids recital like this and parents kicked him out.
1: Many remember the original story of this shop teacher in Canada who wears a gigantic, you know, gazongas, uh, Z, Z cup, literal, I think, uh, like prosthetics and man, and, and operates like a bandsaw and teaches kids. Now, whatever you want to do, like on your, in your free time, spare time. I, I like, I don't even like, this isn't even the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's not, like, that big a deal. They're not hurting anybody if they're doing it on their free time. But when they're s- teaching kids, this is clearly, like, their own... They're into it. They, like, get off on people looking at them. Uh, and because they derive that kind of uh, satisfaction, I don't really think uh, they should be hanging around, you know, be doing it on work hours with when they teach kids. Well, now... They snuck into a children's dance recital, and parents kicked them out. Why were they sneaking into a kid's dance recital? Exclusive photo shows the teacher, uh, that shop teacher at children's dance recital, after she, quote, snuck in during the break, but was told by concerned parents to leave. Did you made headlines worldwide after photos of her with, of course her, whatever's, you know, um, her blonde wig was asked to leave a children's concert. A source told Daily Mail in 2021, uh, apparently, uh, they attended a kid's dance recital in Ontario. The source says that they uh, Lemieux I don't think that's Lemieux Lemieux apparently snuck in during intermission. They sat in the front row watching the kids on stage eventually she was confronted by concerned parents and asked to leave as there was not she did not have a child in the show now you know what now tell me more about oppressing people's you know ability to express what were they doing there and you know why they sat in the front row i saw the kids would see her
2: him them they sat in the front row so the kids would see this person must get off on that it's in it's actually insane in october um david menzies who
1: is a activist attended a meeting at halton school district board where lemieux or let i'm some system Lemieux. Teaches at Oakfield High School, as the character Mamory Menzies equipped the very extremely large prosthetics. Menzies, oh, he wore some. Okay, Menzies brought with him a petition calling for the high school t- board to term, be terminated over the cont- his continued employment. Working on a new Starlink uh, mount out there speaking about the ban with the interview at tucker carlson menzies asked why can you have a dress code for kids but not one for adults carlson replied saying because they don't care about kids during his protest menzies showed that his position asking for the removal of the board had 16,000 signatures he told the members of the education board of the hamilton school district board that the director of education curtis enos should be fired for allowing Female identifying shop teacher to her enormous prosthetics that are barely contained in blouses while teaching. Well, the petition in question read The HDSB and the director of education, Curtis Enos, have admitted that the school's dress code, which provides, which prevents visible stuff like this, only applies to students. So if you're a teacher, you, your cup can be overflow a thing. You could be, uh, what is it called when guys, you know, I know it's with, when you're caring, it's called imprinting. So maybe that's a, like if, if this kid is like sit, a teacher, a male teacher sitting on a desk and all the kids are looking at his, his Dankula, uh, you know, protruding from his pants,
2: that's okay. That's pretty interesting, pretty interesting. In his appearance on Tucker Carlson,
1: Uh, Menzies said that as a result of his protest, he had been banned for life from all Hamilton schools. So he got banned. Look, I know that like, you know, the thing is, I want to actually be understanding and accepting of this because to me, whoever like needs to do this probably has some screws loose. Maybe something happened to them when they were young. I don't know. I don't even want to like speculate on that. But what I do know is now we have more information that I, I want to know all those people that, and, you know, not my viewers, but all the people that say, oh, it's just a normal thing. You know, you know, this shop teacher just wears these gigantic things. It's, it's part of their wardrobe. It's whatever. What were they doing attending a kid's recital in which they had no kids there? Sitting in the front row so they could see only leaving after angry parents ran him out of there. At the original protest, a parent could be heard shouting, children, we as adults are supposed to protect them. The parent claimed that Lemieux taught other classes other than shop. Another person said no normal person in the right mind would dress up like that to teach kids. Come on, are you guys okay in your head? Earlier this week, students were allegedly threatened with suspension if they took pictures. So clearly, the students are uncomfortable, right? Clearly, that's okay. I mean, how far is this like, you know being getting you know being super duper woke? How far does it have to go? We already see that they got they they have some sort of interest in showing up where they're not wanted with little ones around. Students have since shared videos of the teacher in other schools where she while she recovers from a foot injury, walking, showing her walking on crutches, sitting beside a student who appears to be vaping, the Toronto Sun reports. The district now has sent out a warning reminding students they are not allowed to take pictures of anyone in school unless they get permission. Okay. Now look, this is all just about exhibitionism, right? About being seen. You can see in November, this very same teacher made the further news when they were pictured skydiving with a male uh, spicy video star whose real name is don't care how much more evidence do you need it's very clear that this person's into like people looking at them it gets them off why are they hanging out with a a male spicy video star it's not clear what the relationship is if there is any speaking exclusively to dailymail.com voodoo said i had no idea i was taking the I was taking controversial school teacher until they showed, me, showed up to the drop zone. I'm not a fan of trans activism or Kayla's behavior at the school, but I'm a professional and I don't discriminate. He added, I'll throw anyone out of a plane. Plus, I regarded taking a big 230-pound person with huge prosthetics on a skydive as a challenge. Most instructors wouldn't even take them strictly on their size alone. So it's interesting to me You know, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that this person is into people looking at them. Right? I mean, again, I don't care if you do that. If you want to go out in public like that, you know, then you are going to reap the whirlwind of whatever that is. Maybe everyone just looks at you. I mean, if it were me and I saw that at Walmart, I'd probably like chuckle and move on with my day. Maybe some parent would have a problem with it. I assume maybe. Certainly some of the parents of these students have a problem with it. But school
0: doesn't do anything. And next up, Elon Musk's stalker confesses and he is totally insane was near Grimes' house too.
1: It looks like we finally identified the uh, the masked madman that uh, threw themselves on Elon Musk's car. I don't know, perhaps hoping that it was Elon, perhaps knowing it wasn't Elon and just want to press. Perhaps they were trying to scare Elon. I don't know. The whole thing seems very scary. I'm sure as a parent, you know, all politics aside and all this other Twitter craziness aside, um probably a pretty scary day for him. Probably a pretty scary day for his kid. And it was awful. Just awful watching people on Twitter celebrate it and act like he was, you know, somehow deserving of that. Um <clears throat> people, you know, this is a thing like you spend less time on social media, you start to realize that you kind of forgot that people are people and and everything's worth dunking somebody on, on somebody for. Maybe that just means I'm getting old, but some of the things this person said are outright insane. The crazy stalker, <clears throat> Elon said, was following uh, the determination coordinates in LA, was an Uber Eats driver, apparently, um, in LA with an interest in
2: Grimes. Hmm, interesting. The man who allegedly confronted a car carrying Elon Musk. What do you mean,
1: allegedly? We saw video evidence of it. By the way, remi- remember that he was wearing a sock on his hand? Some people told me later that maybe this was to um, obscure any tattoos, identifying tattoos that they had. I mean, the fact that you work for Uber Eats, that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, I don't know why they're bringing Uber Eats into it. A lot of people do that. Um, he was a son. I'm sorry son was an Uber Eats driver who believed he was connected to the billionaire's ex-girlfriend Grimes. Okay. What's also funny about all these articles that are like, you know, we should be talking about this lunatic, but we're not. All of them are going out of their way to say, well, actually, we don't know if he used the Jets coordinates to find him. We don't know that for sure. Police say they haven't figured it out yet. That's all they're worried about. You know, they're like, see, see, it wasn't because of the jet coordinates. They don't know that either. Of course, on Wednesday last week, uh, Musk tweeted a video showing uh, one of his security guards moving toward a man in a vehicle and filmed the license plate of the man's car. Musk claimed that the man in the car had blocked and jumped onto the hood of the car carrying his son. At the same time, Musk began speaking out against people like. 20-year-old Jack Sweeney. I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable to to think maybe he made that connection. Don't you? It's probably pretty reasonable to think, hey, maybe this this guy was following my coordinates. I mean, at the very least, you can say he knew he was in the city, you know, uh, because he knew the jet was there. All this kind of stuff. First thing, he's going to... uh, You know, he's going to press legal action. It was funny. He outs himself as an Uber Eats driver. So he outed himself. He confessed. The masked man, Elon Musk, claimed was a crazy stalker, has been identified as an Uber Eats driver who believes the multi-billionaire space pioneer is the one terrorizing him. Oh, Oh, here we go. Oh, I can't wait for the Washington Post article. I can't wait for the Washington Post article by Taylor Lorenz saying that's exactly what is happening here. Brandon Colado first identified himself Saturday in a reply to Musk's tweet, sharing a clip of the driver stopped by a security guard. Quote, I am the guy in the video. Colado reportedly wrote in response to the clip. Claims that he's a crazy stalker, blah, blah, blah. But Collado then told Musk, quote, you have connections to me and have stalked me and my family for years. The message did not appear to still be online
2: Monday, and attempts to reach Colada were not immediately successful. What? However, he confirmed to the DC paper that he was the person in Musk's video, which
1: was seen nearly 18 million times by Monday, even sharing his own videos of the confrontation to prove it. In interviews, he made several bizarre and unsupported claims, the Washington Post said, including Musk was monitoring his real-time location and controlling Uber Eats to block him from getting to work. He also claimed that Musk's ex, Grimes, a mother of two of his kids, was sending him coded messages through her Instagram posts. What? Don't you see? I think we all already knew, but like, this is why the guy doesn't want his, his jet coordinates out there. You know, maybe this is why the guy doesn't want to
2: have people know where he is at all times, maybe like maybe,
1: I mean, it is insane. Officers have investigated the video, most tweeted to see if it's the same person, but have yet to reach any firm conclusions. Colado meanwhile, claimed that he had innocently pulled over in a gas station while making an Uber Eats delivery Tuesday when Musk's security confronted him without reason, seemingly linking it to his conspiracy that the world's second richest man was monitoring his exact whereabouts. Musk's video showed Colado wearing a mask, hood, and one glove, and he was driving a vehicle rented through car-sharing service Turo, Oh, so it was a rental car, so they wouldn't even have necessarily been able to put it together, would they? He said South Pasadena cops arrived and questioned him, telling him they would file a report. The force did not comment on the to the Washington Post. The gas station surveillance footage caught the interaction and turned it over to police, manager Daniel Santiago told the paper. Madero, the detective, said it appeared that the driver had been trying to hide his identity by wearing gloves on the hand... Uh, gripping the rental vehicle steering wheel and partially covering his face. I mean, who knows what this guy would have done if it was actually Elon, right?
2: He seems like a lunatic. Like, at least we could say that he's, he's a lunatic, right? Pretty sure it's clear. Washington Post says, Elon must blame the Twitter account for a stalker. Police see no link. How do you know?
1: They they didn't say they don't see one. They said they haven't connected it yet. I'm sure it's not high priority for them. I'm pretty sure that this person has probably been stalking Elon for years. And if he's a, or for a long time, I'm sorry. And if he is a stalker,
2: pretty sure he knows about the JET account. Pretty sure he knows when he's in town. It's insane. The two
1: may not be related, but they're related. You know what I mean? Like that exact incident maybe isn't related. But it's insane. He acknowledged he had interest in Musk and the mother of Musk's two children, a musician known as Grimes, whose real name is, why would you do that? Boucher lives in a house near the gas station. In his communications with The Post, Collado said that he was a driver for Uber Eats and he had also made several bizarre unsupported claims, including that believe, he believed Grimes was sending him coded messages um, and that Elon Musk could control Uber Eats to block him from receiving delivery orders. He said he was in Grimes's neighborhood to work for
2: Uber Eats. Oh, he was by Grimes's house. Interesting. Due to its concentration of high profile figures, stalking is a pervasive problem in LA
1: after 21-year-old actress Rebecca Schaefer was, uh, oh, I didn't even know about that. Uh, she had her life ended at her entrance to her LA home in 19, oh no wonder, 1989 by an obsessed fan, the city adopted several measures meant to protect the targets of these type of things. However, obviously we know Selena Gomez was forced to move out. Grimes has been the, also had to deal with stalkers in 2018. She was granted a restraining order against a man named Raymond Barajas who showed up to her home and said he believed she was secretly communicating with him through her music. I get, I guess I get under, I understand like liking a record, but I mean, it's, it's insane. Like the, the, the idea caught on, according to the video of the incident, Musk posted, you know, did he jump on the car? It seems like it. But why hasn't the guy been arrested? I mean, it's pretty clearly
2: he admitted it was him, and he admitted that he was stalking him. You know, and like, like it's interesting. It
1: also, so we don't know if they're related, but he's clearly a, a nutter, right? He's clearly a nutball. I'm sure he knew about the Twitter account. But nobody cares. The only reason anybody's actually reporting on this, by the way, is so that they can say, well, police didn't say that there was a link between their account and him. Yet. But make no mistake, that's the only reason they're reporting on this.
0: And last up today, the biggest woke flop in history. AOC movie makes just $81 per theater. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez fail.
1: Yes, finally a non-Elon topic for you. Although... My first video or my I did one earlier video that was not Elon that you guys really liked and I appreciate that. I hope you're doing well. now, we all know the big ju- juicy booty AOC, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Uh, we know she's not very smart. Uh, we know that she's essentially an e-girl uh, with who has accomplished nothing. Um, And if she was, in my opinion, if she was 400 pounds, she never would have won the election. That's just my opinion.
2: I don't know. People are stupid. So I guess you don't know. But she made a movie. And it was so bad. I mean, so bad that it made
1: less than $80 per theater that it was in.
2: Exclusively in theaters. I cannot believe this is happening. This by Christian Toto, a
1: good guy, got to meet him out in Montana uh, on the set with Gina Carano. Humble, humble brag. AOC's climate change doc to the end scores just $80 a theater. The team behind Knockdown Down the House can't rally for Enviro called arms. The 2019 documentary Knock Down the House got plenty of love from both Netflix and movie critics. The latter hailed the film with a 99% fresh rating. The documentary ra- following rising progressives like Representative Ocasio Cortez, Cori Bush, etc., Netflix scooped up the film after its Sundance Film Festival debut, which meant the movie going public never got a chance to ever weigh in on the film. Netflix viewers had their say, though, giving the movie a dismal 11% Rotten Tomato score yikes filmed over four years of hope and crisis to the end captures the emergence of a new generation of leaders they're not leaders and the movement behind the most sweeping climate change legislation in history they've done nothing award-winning director rachel leers of knocked down the house follows four exceptional young women the film debuted over the weekend on 120 screens across the united states A number typical of movies hoping to grab enough of an audience earlier to merit a wider release. Critics loved it, although not as enthusiastically as knock down the house. RogerEbert.com predicted the film will ignite more Americans to take action on climate change. Not if only, not if few Americans actually think about it, $80 per theater means four people, maybe five. Five people per theater the entire weekend paid to see that movie. Five. The movie came in 33rd place over the weekend at the box office, earning a paltry $9,600. Oscar bait films have struggled this season. The failure can be attributed to several factors. The industry's alienation of key swaths of the American public, films disconnected from viewer interest, the proliferation of streaming platforms eating into audience demand, audiences no longer trust critics, like they once did, I know I'm one of those people. Like, oftentimes I'll use a critic, um, you know, a, a, a critic review of something being terrible as like a, a good sign. You know, I trust movie reviewers on YouTube much more than I would any idiot that contributes for Rotten Tomatoes. Recent climate change docuseries, series documentaries have similarly failed to score with U.S. audiences. 2040, released three years ago, didn't even get a theatrical debut stateside and earned a million in global ticket sales. This year's The Territory, about indigenous people fighting against climate change, earned $70,000 during its theatrical run. I mean, it's amazing. They obviously paid. I mean, they lost. They had to have absolutely lost their rear end on this movie. This... Trailer has 550,000 views, all paid, I'm sure.
2: If you're not watching the screen, guess how many likes it has? 160. It has tens of thousands of dislikes as well. The media is actually expecting
1: us to fail. Well, that aged well. The best part was when AOC single handedly, oh, yeah, we got like, uh, <laughs> Ends the super meanie cisgender white supreme sun monster. Then without skipping a beat, she looks at the camera and whispers, Wakanda forever. Warms my heart seeing this trailer getting ratioed into oblivion. Purely for viewers of CNN and MSNBC, but where are they? It's really not in theaters. Congrats to AOC on this masterpiece. The $150 it made will be of great use in fighting climate change.
2: 80 dollars per theater that's how popular aoc is 80 dollars per theater blockbuster hit
1: grossing an average of 81 dollars per screen not a joke look it up
2: i mean this is like where are all the positive comments
1: what this is is really a uh what's the word for it like a referendum people don't want to see uh crappy movies that preach at them that's that's really what it is look at 18 reviews more critics reviewed this than it in the theater than people that paid to see it those critics all didn't pay to see it either of course 83 percent here's what i found with critics when a woke movie comes out and it sucks, they don't, they just don't review it. Remember that weird Christmas movie that's like anti-Christian or whatever that Seth Rogan and um, uh, Sarah Silverman did? It was terrible. It was super woke, super garbage, super offensive, and just nobody reviewed it because they knew if they reviewed it, they'd have to at least somewhat be some. no one would trust them again. That's why this movie has 18 reviews. 18. Representative Ocasio-Cortez offers the best on-screen
2: antidote to despair. She's funny. A canny political strategy. What? Who? (laughs) Okay, at least some people reviewed it negatively.
1: There's no doubt that this issue is fundamental to a functioning existing society. This documentary is simply not the film to tackle it. about as for how this legislation actually affects the environment, that's left between the lines for this documentary. A bummer semi sequel Lear should call The Fossil Fuel Empire Strikes Back. Ah, okay, that's funny. I mean, the, the, this film, like Americans are absolutely tired of this. And I suppose I so expect everyone around the world. I mean, there's not a single positive comment in here. Like, it's, you know, read the room, what a dumb effing movie. I mean, this is how, out, how to, out of touch, this is how an out of touch nitwit and her friends work it. I had to see what all the laughter was about, and if the trailer's nutty, the movie won't fall far from the tree. Lamau. Neo-Marxist progressive woke crap winner of the best comedy of 2022. I mean, like, you did fail. once For once, the media was right. Look, I want to I'm entitled women the movie. <laughs> I I want look and look I tell you what like I'm a tree hugger. I I do, you know, obviously I think we should do everything we can to help the environment. Um what I don't think we should do is be taking advice from a bartender, you know. Um and I would have to say that you know, I, she's good for business cuz we get to dunk on her all the time, but yikes. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it and we'll talk to you again real soon.